You are listening to the Faith, Love, and Relationship Podcast with Melvin Davis. Welcome to episode six, and we're going to shift our focus off of Unequally Oak. That was episode five. If you haven't got a chance to listen to that podcast, please do. Um, it's like the the setup for this episode. And so we are I'm shifting the focus from being unequally Oak. There were some signs and things that I pointed out in that. Um, and that message and scriptures that I get that I um, that I shared that uh, serves as a biblical foundation um, concerning the message that God has given me. And now we're going to talk about being equally yoked. And so I'm pretty sure that you are excited um, if you listen to episode five and maybe you maybe there's some things that uh, that shocked you. Um, some things that resonated or was confirmation and that confirmation maybe wasn't good news um, that, you know, the things that God has put on my spirit to share uh, concerning the topic of being unequally yoked. Maybe you discovered that you weren't after listening to that message. Um, or maybe you discovered that you are equally yoked with the person that you're courting and dating or engage with and the Spirit of God has placed 10 questions on my heart um, that's going to serve as the intro uh, to this message of equally yoked and as as um, as I do before I go into any message I'm going to pray I'm going to pray because you know, one, I want the Spirit of God to lead me, uh, to guide my thoughts, to guide my words, um, to be the foundation of the message um, that God has placed on my heart uh, to give to the body of Christ. Um, and I'm going to pray also because I want you to know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. So that you know where I stand and where this message is coming from. So I'm going to pray. Uh, Jesus, I love you so much. I thank you for being Lord over my life and um, for also being Savior. Thank you for being a friend. Uh, thank you for being the uh, Prince of Peace. And Jesus, I uh, submit and surrender to you. I ask you, Lord, that you will guide my thoughts. That you will guide the meditations of my, my heart. That you will speak in this message, that you will speak through me. That your voice will be heard, that your spirit will be felt. I ask you, Lord, that you will open... Uh, open the eyes and ears of, of those who are listening that you open their hearts to be receptive to what you want to say to them 
Speak, Jesus. Guide your sheep that you love dearly. And it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. So these are 10 questions that you want to you want to ask your significant other, especially if you are a month, uh, month or two or three months in. Um, maybe you haven't had certain questions um, because they can maybe feel problematic or that would ruffle feathers. Um, maybe you are eight months and 10 months into your relationship according um, or dating or whatever you want to, you know, call it. Um, and you haven't had certain questions. You have dodged them maybe intentionally or they just haven't come up at all. Um, it, it's important. I find out as I, uh, mature in the Lord, um, that you, you want to know where someone stands. You want to know where their heart is at. You want to know where their spirit is at. You want to know, um, about where they stand out in Christ. Um, you want to know that person's identity, if they know their identity in, in the Lord, um, or they haven't discovered their identity. Um, you know, whatever it is that there, you need to have, it's important to have certain questions to know where someone stands with, um, where they stand, um, and who they stand with. So these are 10 questions that God has, has placed in my heart. Um, that's going to serve as the intro to this message of Equally Yoked. And the first question that you want to ask someone, uh, doesn't matter what church they go to, you still want to know. Um, first question is that you want to ask that person, who is their Lord and Savior? Um, people will often throw uh, God, the, you know, the name God around, but still referring to a different person or deity or religion. Um, you may have heard uh, the universe um, where someone's acknowledging that there is the universe out there that's answering, responding to uh, whatever prayers or things that was on their heart or questions that they have asked. Um, you want to find out, you know, you know, who is this person? You know, who is God? And through what person, you know, uh, do you know God? And you want to find out, especially if you are courting another believer, if they believe in Jesus Christ, that he existed, that he lived, that he died um, and resurrected um, and is alive and still uh, very present in here in this earth and today you want to find out who that person's lord and savior is because that's going to tell you um that's going to tell you a lot about uh what that person believes in where their faith um is couched in because our faith is central uh to who we are to our morals and our beliefs and how we live our lives and um what we engage in, how, you know, what we listen to, how we socialize, the people that we hang around, um, our decision-making, it, it will rest on 
our faith. It will rest on, you know, what you believe in. And you want to find out. It doesn't matter if this person is going to church or not. You still want to know what they believe and why they believe it. You know, the saying goes when when someone gives their life to Christ, you know, believe in your heart, confess with your tongue. You want to know if that person really believes in their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and resurrected. You want to know if that person still believes that or if they do believe that Jesus Christ is real and that he is alive today. Because when it comes to being equally yoked, um, it's more than just going to church, two people going to church. Because anyone can go to church and and that could be just a habit out of custom of, of what someone did as, as a child or growing up with their parents. Um, people go to church because they're fulfilling some type of moral um, obligation that probably in many ways uh, satisfies their conscience that they're doing the right thing. Um, people could be uh, attending church because it's a more of a religious uh, ceremony um, or uh, activity that you do on a Sunday. Um, you want to know if that person uh, believes in Jesus. And they are going to church to, com to, to commune and fellowship with other believers um, as they praise and worship God. So the first question that you want to ask is, who is your Lord and Savior? And who knows, you might be surprised what the answer is. The second question that you want to ask, after asking who's your Lord and Savior, and if they say Jesus, then... See, that's a that's a good sign. But the next question is, is just as important as the first one. You want to ask that person about their personal relationship with God. Because belief doesn't mean that someone is pursuing God. We know that a relationship takes time and uh, it takes investment. It takes um, spending time with someone, talking to them, listening to them, um, not just going uh, to someone because you're in need, because that, that's not, if you, that's not a relationship. If you are in a relationship right now with someone and it, and it doesn't feel like there's uh, much reciprocation, um, there's not much engagement where the person is not asking you questions about you and, and things that pertains to you and your thoughts and your feelings and your concerns, um, but just having conversation maybe about themselves or things that are interesting to them. Um, but they're not really engaging you. That's not a relationship. I think it's a, it's amazing of how quote unquote, how two people can be in a relationship and not know each other. I'm always baffled when I hear these stories about, you know, couples who have been married for 10, 15 years and they arrive to the conclusion that they don't know each other. 
why why is that how did they arrive to that um that endpoint that juncture where this you you look at each other as as strangers and it's because that you know people may get married because of they fit the bill or they're they cross off a you know a list of items that you have on your list they have a good job a career and they're successful um they're attractive uh they look good essentially they look good on paper and people will get married and 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 you know get involved with some involvement with someone for those reasons and and that's just a setup um for failure because love and intimacy is more than just about attraction but it's about being into the person it's about knowing them it's about engaging them it's about asking that person questions it's about listening some people don't have um good listening skills and they constantly constantly uh just speaking and talking and 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 giving uh more of themselves and their thoughts without knowing what the other person is thinking or if they have anything to say and when you have that type of imbalance in 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 a situation or relationship then that will create a disconnect where one person feels they're being fulfilled and the other person doesn't and when it comes to having a relationship with Christ when you go to God only when you need something or in a crisis or some type of uh situation when you're back against the wall uh, or you're dealing with hurt you need healing or you something that you desire that you want um but you have never just got along with God just to hear what he wants to say to you or to hear what he wants to say period or to know how he feels and what he's thinking or just to sit in his presence um that doesn't mean that you have a relationship with God and of course God is so loving he's so merciful and so full of grace that he answers our prayers although we haven't taken the time to know him and a personal relationship with God or those who have a personal relationship with the Lord are those who spend time with God in the secret place just to know him and just to just to rest in his presence those who have a personal relationship with God are in his word consuming his word and eating of his word and drinking of his word engaging his word and asking God questions for understanding about whatever they're reading and Jesus said my sheep hear my voice and those who know the voice of the Lord are his sheep so you want to ask someone they have a relationship with God and what does that look like because their personal relationship with Jesus 
it's going to tell you everything else about their life. As I mentioned, as I noted earlier, about how someone socializes, what they watch, what they listen to, um, their integrity, where they're at in the Lord, um, their strengths and, and maybe things that need to work on, um, how they think, how they feel, their perspectives on life. So your personal relationship with, with God is, is going to tell you a lot about that person. And that's a good place to start because this question, you know, asking that person about their relationship with the Lord, um, it leads into the other questions that I'm going to, um, that I'm going to share with you. It's going to tell you a lot about the third question. The third question is you want to ask someone, how is your prayer life? How do you talk to God? When do you talk to God? Uh, how often, how long do you talk to God? Um, because if you have a personal relationship with God, then you most certainly do have a prayer life. When you're spending time with God and, and prayer, um, and I'm not necessarily putting a a time, you know, as if you're clocking someone. Um, but when you are in love with someone, you're spending time with someone that you love. You do lose track of time because you're caught up in that person's presence. You are enjoying something that you love, and when you are, when you you do something that you love, and you know this this goes to when I tell people um, about writing um, in and writing my book or just writing in general, I can you know I can spend you know, six to seven hours in one, in one place and just, you know, writing my book. That's how I was able to write a book. I sat in, in wherever I was, you know, wherever cafe or place that I went to, to write at, I would just sit there and just zone out. Even with the noise in the background, I was able to concentrate and focus and just create and write. And people say, well, how can you, you know, how do you, you know, I can't sit down and focus for that long. But when you love something, you love something. It, it's not a, uh, it's not laborious. It's not like a job. Um, it, you're not forcing. Uh, it's not an experience of forcing something to happen. But when you love something, you get lost in it. And when you love God, you get lost in his presence. And when you spending time in prayer, sometimes, you know, you feel like where did the time go when two or three hours have passed and you just spent time in prayer and prayer is not like holding your breath on the water. Prayer is a conversation when you're just speaking to the Lord, the way that you talk to people every day and you're just talking to the Lord. And there's a, there's a moment where in your prayer life or your prayer time where you just sit and be still and listen to what God has to say to you because if you are constantly talking and talking and talking and talking and you're praying for God's direction you're praying for an answer uh, whatever it is that you are petitioning God on and, 
and then you after you're done praying you get up and leave and he doesn't have a chance to speak or he's he's about to open his mouth to speak and you you get up and walk away and some people are like that in their relationships with people where they talk 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 they talk they talk they talk and then they get up and leave and you know thank god that Thank God that God is not like us, that, you know, as human beings, we get tired and exhausted um, or feel heaviness when that that those types of things happen. Um, God doesn't experience what we feel as as a human being. Um, but Jesus knows what that is about uh, because it was constantly pouring into people and he had to go to the father to be poured in. But the point is. Your prayer life has, there's a connection between your prayer life, how you engage God and how you engage uh, intimacy with, uh, with people. Because if you um, haven't gone to the point of, of sitting still before God, just to listen to what he has to say, um, more than likely in a relationship, if you are constantly giving outputting information and the person doesn't have the chance to talk and when it's time for them to talk you get up and leave that's going to make the recipient the hearer discouraged and they're not going to feel like it's a relationship uh, I believe in Proverbs eight seventeen. let me put this, pull it up right quick this is the scripture that just came to mind uh, thank you Holy Spirit for bringing the scripture to mind. Proverbs 18, 17. And it reads, this is the New King James Version. Uh, probably it will read the Amplified Version um, as well. But Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me and those who, dilig and those who seek me diligently will find me. I'm going to read the Amplified Version. Oh, it says the same thing. I love those who love me and those who seek me early. That's a little bit different. Those who seek me early and diligently will find me. The Lord's saying, I love those who love me. Of course, God loves us. But those who take the initiative exercise and use their own will to pursue and seek God God really loves those who are going after him who are seeking him diligently because the Lord says if you seek him diligently then there's going to be a reward there's going to be an outcome of doing that and that we'll find him most people have not found, and I mean this in this way, not literally you haven't found the person, but you are courting and dating someone and there's not much engagement. And you're courting someone you don't know that you haven't, you found them, but you haven't found them. You haven't discovered who they are. You haven't discovered, discovered 
their heart, their personality, how God made them, their, their identity in Christ, their gifts and their talents, their dreams, their shortcomings, their fears, their aspirations, uh, their vision, their likes and dislikes, their past. If you never engage someone that you claim to love, you have not discovered who they are. You haven't found them. Why? Because there is no there is no engagement, and that can, you know, cross over, transcend into our personal relationship with Lord. That we can give our life to Christ and spend ten years and, and twelve years in our in our walk and not know who the Lord is. And because God is so loving and 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 full of grace and and so merciful. That he continues to love us while we're not pursuing him. And that's just the goodness of the Lord. But think about what we would experience in him if we did pursue him. Think about if we sought him with diligence. Seeking him early. And we find God. Because when we find God, we encounter him in a way that we have never experienced before. And it becomes personal when the Lord reveals a different facet of himself to us. Where it becomes personal. And when your relationship with Christ becomes personal, you don't allow anything or anyone to get uh, to get in front of that. You know, when your relationship with Christ is personal, it becomes a priority. Because anything that we love is a priority in our lives. And the things that we don't have much interest in um, will fall to the third or fourth thing on the list. So you want to ask that person about their prayer life. The fourth question that you want to ask someone is um, how do they praise and reverence God? Because if you do have a personal relationship with God and you you do have a prayer life and obviously you acknowledge Christ as your Lord and Savior it's almost uh, indicative that you will live a life of of praise and worship where you're, you're thanking God for his goodness and you're, you're thanking him for you know uh, uh, fresh air and, and being able to breathe and live and, and to be in, in good health um, to know him, to have his work, to study him, to have the freedom and liberty uh, to praise God, to worship him, to gather and commune, um, excuse me, with other believers um, and fellowship. But to praise God because to praise God out of our personal relationship with him is, is a whole different level than praising God based upon what we've got and received from him because when a relationship is personal your praise goes to a different level we are praising him because you know him we are praising him because you love him not because of what he's done for you but because of who he is and when there's praise um, worship or reverence will accompany your praise because you can't have praise without worship. When you're praising you and you enter a 
a dimension of, of, wor of, of worship and reverence, that means that you're walking in the fear of the Lord. Where you're walking in awe. Because you serve someone who is sovereign, who's all-knowing, who's powerful, who knows the day that you were born and the day that you will breathe your last breath. Someone who has called you and, and, and purposed you and has gifted you and, and has given you talents and has birthed life inside of you that would um, draw attention and glory to him. That's a that's enough. That's a lot to um, to reverence him, to worship him. And when you encounter the Lord in a, in a personal way, um, there is a certain type of reverence that will come upon you. Where you're like, wow, God, you're powerful. I have to bow my head and worship you. Because of his love and his sovereignty and, and you know, the, 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 his holiness that just comes from him. The holiness of God alone will cause you to worship. That will cause you to, to praise. And if you don't, if you haven't, um, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, and it's going to be a little bit difficult to praise him and reverence him for who he is. And of course we can praise him and worship him for what he's given us. But think about, imagine if you can praise and worship from because of what you know about him. And this leads into the fifth question. You should ask that person, what does it mean to fear God? You know, is it, it's, you know, it's not the type of fear that you are, you know, walking, uh, you know, in, in, in horror uh, or, or, you know, hiding from God because, you know, you think he's going to do something bad to you. It's not that type of fear. Um, but fear is linked to reverence. You know, Jesus walked in and in, in fear of God. Meaning that he lived a life of, of prayer, uh, of seeking God's face and spending time with him, walking in submission and surrender um, to the father, not doing things on his own will, but only doing, you know, what he saw the father doing, only speaking what, you know, the father told him to speak. He walked in, in fear of God and reverence of him. And because he walked in that level of fear, um, he was able to submit and surrender, and surrender himself to the Lord and to be obedient even unto the death of the cross. And the believer who is walking in fear of the Lord, they're living a life that is submitted and surrendered. With their decision-making, their thoughts, and or at least their their aim um, or their goal um, or their striving to live a life in Christ that's pleasing to, to the Lord. And when you're walking in fear of God, you, you, 
you think you you think twice about stepping outside of this world. You think twice about sinning or getting involved in a situation, circumstance that would not bring glory to God because you there's a certain fear, fear of God. It puts a boundary and the hedge of protection around us. And those who fear God will govern their life according to wanting to please the Lord and walking in, you know, walking in love. You know, God says, I, you know, in Proverbs eight seventeen, I love those who love me. And Jesus said in, in, in John 14, those who love me will keep my commandments. And he says, well, if you love me, you will, you will keep my commandments. Those who love me, he keeps repeating that for a reason. And those who keeps his commandments, they're, they're walking in the ways of God. Their decision is not based upon their personal thoughts and their feelings and their perspectives. A cultural appropriation. Walking to the tune of this world. Uh, because they fear being ostracized. Or being called uh, super spiritual. Or legalistic. But those who walk in fear of God walk in reverence of God and they're living their life according to the word of God. They're not living their life according to uh, what culture says. What mainstream Christianity is doing. Not what the seeker friendly movement is, is, is doing, but those who fear the God are the remnant. The remnant are those who are being obedient to God, even when it's unpopular. And you want to be with someone who fears God. That they are willing to be obedient no matter what. And when you fear God, next question, which I kind of already brought up moments ago. Um, you want to ask that person, what is worship? What does worship look like for them? It's more than just singing a song. Uh, or listen to see your favorite song. Of course, that's a way that you know we do worship. Um, it's a way that we do coming uh, into the presence of God and and experience His glory. Um, worship is also a reflection of how we live, how we live our our lives every day. The first person that we think of when we wake up in the morning, the first person that we talk to when we wake up in the morning. The last person that's on our mind when we go to sleep at night. The last person that we talk to before we go to bed. Is it God? That you wake up and you pray, or praise and worship. When you go to bed, do you, you pray? I, I, you know, I know sometimes it's a little bit difficult. You may might be tired and you do fall asleep without praying. In the, in, but your thoughts are, are on him. Um, but you want to find out what, what, what worship is like, how, how does that person define worship? And you want to listen to their definition. Is, is their definition based upon, um, that person's own philosophy or interpretation? Or is it based upon scripture and their personal relationship with the Lord? Because when we walk in worship, there is there's a reverence, there's a fear, there is an awe, 
there was an, uh, an acknowledgement and worship will reveal a lot about your lifestyle the next question is that you want to ask someone and this might be a really tough one for you because these things can get really 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 nasty they can get nasty if your mind is not in Christ if you're not if your heart is not with God because this question actually has a lot to do with the second question that I asked the second question that I asked earlier is to ask, ask that person about their personal relationship with God do they spend time with the, in, in God's word? Do they have a prayer life? Do, do they live a life of, of praise and, and, and worship? Do they fear God? Do you want to find out if that person person's mind is in Christ? Or is it in culture? And the eighth question that's going to ruffle some feathers that you're going to probably not want to have or engage in. Um, but you, you want to know because when you, when you become one, uh, when you get married, God does not see two separate individuals. He sees one. And if you look at couples who in, 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 in scripture, in the Bible, who God had joined together and they were one and they were one um, walking in obedience and, and on the same page with God. You know, you think about uh, Lot and his wife when God destroyed God and, um, Sodom and Gomorrah and he told them not to look back. And Lot's wife did and became a pillar of salt. Imagine, just imagine if she was on the same page with Lot. Her story would have read differently in scripture. And there's another couple. Um, hopefully I can get this pull up um, in time. But there's a couple in, um, in the book of Acts. And I have to look it up really quick. Um, Ananias and Sephra, um, where the Holy Spirit was, was moving on people to tithe and they sold a piece of their property. Um, and it says with his wife, this is Acts, if you want to, you know, go to the scripture, um, Acts 5, um, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sephra, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, um, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, and Ananias, how is it that you, how, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart 
that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. So this couple, this married couple, they both lied to the Holy Spirit. And you know the outcome of, of see, even, even that alone brings a reverential fear to God, that they lied to the Holy Spirit. And as a result of lying, they both lost their lives. And you want to, you want to be with someone that also fears the Lord that the way the way that you do. You want to be with someone who, who's in agreement with God's word, uh, and not agreement in agreement with um, whatever it else is outside of God's word. And the eighth question that you want to ask is that that person is what is their view on politics? And their responsibility as a Christian when it comes to politics. You, you know, someone could say, well, God is in control of everything, right? You know, he's, he's still on the throne. Yes, God has is in control. He's on the throne. But when you go back to Genesis, the book of Genesis, God has given man uh, dominion in the earth. To till it, to take care of it, to steward it. So God has an empowered us to steward this world, this life that we live in, this, this country that we live in. And if the U.S. is built on Christian principles and this is a Christian nation, a country that God, that people have, you know, founders have dedicated uh, these United States to God, for God to lead and to say that I don't have, you don't have a responsibility in what happens in this world that, that affects you as an individual, that affects your family, that will affect your children in the future and your children's children to be passive and to not act and move with wisdom and to say and to let things happen, that's ungodly. Because God has given us a moral compass to know what is right, to know what is wrong. And if you are trying to partner with someone who doesn't believe in biblical principles that this world should be founded on, then there's a problem. And of course, there's, there, there are some people out there that say, well, you can coexist with someone who believes has different beliefs than you do, then what are those beliefs couched in? What are the foundation foundations of those beliefs? Are those foundations scriptural or is it a matter of just personal preference? You want to know where someone stands at politically. And the answer to this question or this conversation might just cause a divide or it might bring you closer together. It might cause you to seek God's will together if you are uncertain or unsure about how to even have that conversation or how to answer it. Because at the end of the day, this goes back to question number two. What is that person's personal relationship with God like?
How's their prayer life? How do they praise and, and reverence God? What does it mean to fear God? What is worship? All of those things are going to tell you a lot about the eighth question that I just proposed and asked. What is your view on politics? What is your responsibility? What is that person's responsibility as a Christian when it comes to voting? When it comes to policies and things that are going to impact our life, how we live. And I know that in the body of Christ, politics is something that is probably not discussed. Um, if so, maybe in small pockets within the confines of behind closed doors or whatever. Um, but it's not a, a topic that people will openly discuss. Why? Because of the division. But think about it. Let's use common sense here. God is not divided. He's not confused. Jesus is not against the Father. He's not confused about the Father. He's not confused about Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not confused about Jesus. He's not confused about God. God is not confused about Holy Spirit. They are all on one accord. And those who love God will keep his commandments. And those who love God are in one accord with the Lord. And because they fear God, their decision making their decision making is, is, is impacting and has an influence because of their reverence and their personal relationship with the Lord. So I know this might be a tough question. It might be better to have it sooner than later. Because to ignore it, to not confront it, uh, or to turn your eye um, to how someone's living and how their decision making. Remember that when you get married, you are, you become one. You're not two separate people. God doesn't see two separate people. And if a husband sees his wife going the opposite way, and he's the head of the household, he's he's the spiritual leader. He's held accountable. He is the head of the household. And to come into agreement with compromise is going to say a lot about his leadership. Or if a husband is going astray, he's doing things or making this, his decision making is outside of the word of God. And the wife sees that and she's a helpmate and a leader walk inside beside her husband. If she doesn't hold him accountable to God's word. then his error can rest on her because God has opened her eyes and has given her insight and in the, in the discerning heart and spirit to know right from wrong. And that's why it's important to have a relationship with the Lord because when you have a personal relationship with the Lord and you have a prayer life, you're able to hear from him. You're able to, to uh, discern the times and the seasons that we are living in and to some extent to know what's coming ahead and those who are walking couples who are walking in agreement with God um, and God's spirit is in them and they're walking in agreement with each other that is a power couple
And that is a couple that the Lord will bless abundantly. But a couple that's walking um, according to their own tune and rhythm of what they think and feel. They may seem like they're together, but they're coexisting because of tolerance and compromise and acceptance. And see, the enemy wants you to compromise and accept what he presents to you. But those who walk in the fear of the Lord will be, will be obedient to God, whether they feel like it or not, or whether or not it makes sense. So number eight, that's a, you want to ask someone, what is the view on politics? And what is their responsibility as a Christian when it comes to politics? The ninth question is, what is love? And how do they define it? You want to know what, you know, you want to know what's, what's, you know, what's inside of a person's heart. You want to know, you know, what they think about love and how they define it. And what it looks like, because that's going to tell you how they love. Is their love a coming from a worldly perspective? Because worldly love is, you know, toxic relationships um, has become a norm for a lot of people. Where the anticipation is to argue, to yell at each other, to curse each other out, uh, to do things that are ungodly. Um, to be dysfunctional. Uh, that's what worldly love looks like. And that's just, and that's, just, that's not the definition of what worldly love looks like, but it is a definition of what worldly love looks like. It's dysfunctional. It's unhealthy. It's devoid of God. And you want to ask the person that you're courting and dating and, and planning to marry was what, what is love? Is it, is it based on first Corinthians 13? Is it biblical? Is it Christ? You want to know how that person thinks about love because what they believe love is, is, is going to show you or reveal to you how they think of you, how they engage you. And what it would be like to be married to that person. And my last question this is the 10th question. Is what kind of lifestyle do you live? You want to ask that person if you're getting to know them is what kind of lifestyle do they live? Are they living a life that is uh, in the world? Or are they living a life that is uh, set apart you know it says in the scripture that we are God's own people that we are a royal priesthood that we are set apart that we are we are a peculiar we are a peculiar people what's peculiar is uh, is different it's unique it's almost otherly. It is distinctive. It does not look or fit in like the rest of what something looks like. 
it's set apart. It's 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 separate. And I know women that you probably have, uh, especially if you're in in the shoes and the high heels and and. But you probably have certain shoes that are set apart from the rest because they're very, they're special. You you put them on for a special occasion, Um, but they're they're not with the rest of, they're probably not with your gym shoes. Most definitely not. I hope not. Um, But they're not probably with your gym shoes. They're probably not with the casual shoes every day, the things that you wear every day. They're probably just put in the corner somewhere, maybe on top shelf um, but they're set apart and they're set apart because they are they're special they're valuable you 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 paid a price for those hills and Jesus paid a price for us and that price was his life Jesus didn't die for us to remain the same. Jesus didn't die for us to blend in with the world. Jesus didn't die for us to live secular, ungodly, worldly lives. Why? Because it does not draw us closer to him. It puts us in jeopardy of losing our salvation. And we know that sin cannot enter the presence of God. And when it comes to intimacy with the Lord, there are levels to intimacy as there are levels to love. I kind of want to compare it to, you know, in this way to maybe give you a different picture of what I'm trying to say. Is that when you are in the talking phase of, of getting to know someone, you it's almost on the surface or you might have some type of in-depth conversation or there's going to be some type of depth there. Um, but when you are, when you entered a committed official relationship with that person, you begin to know a different side of them because with intimacy, we go deeper and we we come to know the different layers of, of someone. And there's going to be things that you will learn about someone that you didn't know in the talking phase that you now know that you're in a committed relationship. And then when you get engaged and you see the, the level, there's much more at stake when you are engaged. It becomes serious. Your heart is more open. You're vulnerable with each other because to get engaged, that means that you have reached a level of comfort and certainty and peace with each other that you are now considering jumping the broom. But you're more vulnerable when you're engaged than you were at the talking phase. Why? Because it took some level of of investment and trust of talking, engaging Spending time with that person, working through issues, praying and, and spending time with God together. You've now have graduated into a, a, a place where you see yourselves becoming one. And we can, and I'm sure you heard this analogy before. 
that some people are dating and courting God and are in, engaged, but they're not married to God. They haven't officially become his bride. There isn't a ring on their finger that says that I belong to God. And those who belong to God, the bride of Christ, have set themselves apart. Now, I'm not talking down on someone who is not as committed as the other person. Um, and you're working through some things in your own personal life, and your personal walk. And you're trying to overcome some things. And the Lord will, um, will help you and equip you. And get you where you need to be in him so that you prepare for the things that he has for you. But when you have someone um, who rejects the notion, the biblical notion of being set apart, of living holy and consecrated, living a life according to God's word and his ways, then you have a problem. And it's going to be difficult to become one with someone who's not committed and one with Christ. And if you try to move forward with someone, then it's the elephant in the room and the elephant isn't going to go anywhere. Getting engaged is not going to make the elephant disappear. In fact, it's going to start to stomp. It's going to start to make noises and you want to hear the tusking and then the the grumbling and the movement. And Lord knows if you jumped a broom with an elephant in the room, um, didn't mean to rhyme there, but it's the way it came out. But jumping the broom with the elephant in the room, ah, it's very dangerous. Taking a huge risk is much more at stake when you enter that type of covenant. So you want to find out about that person's lifestyle, especially if you have just met someone recently. You want to listen. You want to. You want to know uh, how to entertain. You want to know. You want to meet their friends. You want to know what what kind of church uh, they attend, what doctrine they're sitting under, or doctrine they're being taught. Um. You want to know uh, about their life, about their personal life, and you know what they do at home, what they watch, you know, you know what they listen to, because when when you have two lives, and I mentioned this before in in a different episode, is that when you have two lives emerging and intersecting. There's a certain dynamic and, and impact that you want to have on each other's lives. And you got to ask yourself the question, if I allow this person to come into my life, and how will they impact my relationship with Christ? Would it, would it be a positive or a negative one? Or if I walk into this person's life, what kind of impact am I going to have on their life? Because... 
you have to think about it, especially, you know, as you get older um, and you are set and living a certain way. You have a certain routine, a certain pattern that you live by. Um, there, there are certain things that's kind of like etched in stone, um, maybe not etched in stone to the point where you can't be, you know, there can't be a change or a shift or an adjustment. Um, but some people are stuck in a routine and to have to change something that they have been doing for years. It would only take Christ for that transformation to happen. Because if a person makes a drastic change for you, then it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be interpreted or assumed as that you're trying to change them, that you're trying to reorganize their life and, and move things around to fit their personal preference. And those kind of things happen when you are equally yoked. And it's, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's much easier when you come together with someone who has the same mind in Christ. And it can be easier if someone may not have the same mind in Christ as you, or they live their life a certain way, but their heart is open where they say, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, I'm not sure about that right now, but you know, let's pray to God about it. And, you know, so I can just get confirmation. Um, and that's, that's, that's a situation, um, that you can, that God can work with because you're, you know, that person's heart is like clay. But when someone does not see a, see a need to change, um, to be flexible, to be open, and the answer is no, or the things that you are referencing in, in the Bible sounds ridiculous or foreign or, or unbelievable because they are unbelieving believers in the body of Christ. Um, it's going to be extremely hard to help that person see things God's way because they've already formed an idea, a notion about God and about scripture and about their lifestyle. Um, that it's going to be almost impossible for that person to, to change. So these are 10 questions that you want to ask, um, the person that you are talking to or that you are, that you are interested in, because these questions are, 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 are probably going to really determine whether you move forward or not. Or if you come to an agreement and say, hey, this is not, this is not for me or, or a person says, I, I'm, I can't believe this, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Or they may say you need to find someone who shares the same ideas as you. It's not about sharing the same personal ideas. It's about 
walking in agreement with God's word. It's about having the mind of Christ. It's about having a personal relationship with the Lord. It's about having a prayer life. It's about living a life of praise and worship. It's about fearing God. It's about knowing your identity in Christ and who, who really is your Lord and Savior. It's about love and how you define it. All of these questions are going to tell about a lot about someone's lifestyle and how they live their life. And I want to close this uh, this intro out of Equally Oaked. I hope that you enjoyed it. I uh, pray that you were edified in some way. I pray that clarity or the eyes, your eyes were enlightened. Um, that you heard or saw something that you never considered before. Because God loves you. He loves you so much. That he does not want to see you to waste, uh, see you waste the prime years of your life in an on and off relationship or a relationship that is unhealthy and is toxic and you have no peace and you're constantly just going at each other. Of course, no relationship is perfect and of course, reconciliation is always possible when you love God. Reconciliation is possible. When your heart is not filled with pride and ego, reconciliation is possible when the eyes of your understanding are open and reconciliation is possible. God loves you and he wants the best for you. He wants to see you prosper in every aspect of your life, including love. He takes delight in, in, in blessing us with the person that he has set apart for us. Why? Marriage is more than, more than just about finding the love of your life and being and married and happily ever after. It's about marriage. It's also about serving God and it's about glorifying God. Because every good thing that God has given us, it serves the purpose of glorifying him. When Jesus walked into Lazarus' tomb, and looked up into heaven and prayed. He, he wanted, he waited because he wanted the people to see. He wanted, he wanted the Father to be glorified in front of people. And every good thing that God has given you, it serves the purpose of glorifying him. God will never give you something that you have to cheat to get it. Or you had to be dishonest to get it because dishonesty and cheating does not glorify the Father. And it does not come from the Spirit of God. But when you are walking in the will of the Lord and your heart is set on Him and you're seeking His face diligently, you're going to find Him. And when you find God, you find His heart. And in his heart are his desires for you. And so I pray right now that you will turn your face to God. 
that you will seek his heart and that you will ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the heart of the Father. We know that the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. And I feel God's presence right now as I pray. I pray that you will seek God's face, that you will seek his heart, that you will ask him to reveal his heart desires for your life. And I pray that you will discover and that you will come to know God's heart desires and that you will walk boldly and obediently into what God has for you. And I pray that the spirit of fear from the enemy will not come and cloud your judgment or cloud your vision or will cause you to stumble off the path of holiness and righteousness. It is my heart desire to see God's heart desires be fulfilled in your life. And it's in Jesus' Jesus's name that I pray. Amen. If you have enjoyed this podcast, um, please share it. If you've been blessed by it, um, leave a comment. Let me know. Um, let me know what God has revealed to you, what God has placed on your heart. Um, if you have not got a chance to purchase my book, Healed for Love, that's H-E-A-L-E-D, Healed for Love. It's a powerful story. I'm going to, in a later later podcast, I'm going to share uh, aspects of that book. Um, if you have not got a chance to purchase it, uh, it's a very powerful book. Um, a story that God has, has helped me uh, create and write. Um it's available on Amazon um, in both paperback and ebook. And also, if you are an Apple fan, it's also in iBooks. Um, Hill for Love is available now. Um, I do uh, ship autographed copies. Of course, that will cost a little bit more than what you would pay if you got it directly from Amazon. Um, but if you are interested in a signed copy, um, send me, send me an email and, and what I, what I do is that, you know, when I get orders and I order on behalf of, uh, the person that's purchasing. So I order the book from Amazon and it takes time to get to me and then I ship it to you, uh, USPS. So if you're interested in a signed copy, shoot me an email with your, uh, your address and, and what, where you want the book mailed to. And then I will um, email you back with the total cost. Um, and I accept payments uh, through Cash App. Um, so, yeah, if you are interested in a signed copy, email me at I am Melvin Davis at gmail.com. And. Um, yeah, shoot me an email with the information and then, you know, we can talk about it, uh, figure out uh, a day. Um, I usually ship priority. Uh, it's much, much easier, um, but a little bit more pricier. But that's totally on you. So 
thank you. Um, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. And I pray that you were blessed by this message.